Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of View from the Press Box. I'm Scott Hogan, and joining me as always is Brad Hallier. And wow, Brad, we usually talk a lot of football. We got an extra night of high school football to talk about this week with some teams opening on Thursday night. So you, are you ready for more football? Kind of curious why there's so many Thursday games. I'm, I'm part of me thinks is it because maybe of the referee shortage? Is, is that why there seems to be more Thursday games than normal this year? I'm, I'm wondering. I think it's twofold. I think you're right on on the, the lack of officials. And I think some of these, uh, we're seeing a lot of the smaller schools that have to make long trips. I think they're wanting to maybe um, get those trips over on Thursday night instead of Friday night. And we're also seeing a lot of six o'clock starts as well. So I think you're right on on some of that. Yeah, so it's uh, – but, hey, nah, it could be worse. Uh, two, two nights of high school football, uh, playoff football, that's, uh, that's a good start. That's a good start. So uh, if everybody's ready, we're going to plow through the Ad Astra schedule Thursday night, 94-7. I'm going to get to see the number two ranked team in eight-man Division One Little River. They're 7-1, and 5-0 and oh, as they wiped out Gossel last week, 60-14. They'll host – Attica Argonia, who's five and three, two and three in their district as they beat Oxford in week eight, 60 to 40. I think Little River, Brad, I think we knew they would be better at the end of the year than they were at the start due to having to replace all three of their offensive linemen from a season ago. They lost the Canton Galvin week one. They've been rolling ever since. Multiple weapons. They got three, four guys that um, have 200 rushing yards or more. They, they alternate quarterbacks. Um, their defense has been pretty good. Uh, Attic Argonia, traditional power, but I think this year Little River, uh, it's going to be too much for them. Yeah, Attic Argonia is just, uh, they've had a pretty good run here. Uh, you know, winning records pretty much every year, playoff appearances pretty much every year. Uh, th- this this just doesn't seem to be uh, the, uh, the caliber of Little River or uh, Attic Argonia team that is capable of beating a team like Little River. I mean, I go back several years to when, you know, they were competing for state championships and beating teams like Axtell 52 to nothing, but uh, n- not, not this time. I, I the, the Little River is going to be playing deep into November. 96.7 Mount Ridge at home. They're five and three, four and one. They beat Harrington 52 to 12. They're going to host Burton. Who's five and three also. Went three and two in their district. They lost to a really good Caldwell team, fifty-two to twenty, last Friday. This has got uh, this has got close game written all over. I I think I give the slight edge to the home team. Mound Ridge has had a good season, but I, I think this one's close for, for four quarters. Well, you, you know, you look at what the, the the caliber of opponents, and you know, when you're Mound Ridge losing to the likes of Little River, Wichita Independent, and El Saline, you know, you've you've played some good teams, and they got a quality win in there also. They beat Gosselin in a double overtime thriller, and likewise, Central Burdens played a pretty good schedule. Their losses to West Elk, Wichita Independent, and South Sumner uh, County, who I believe are all ranked. So both these teams have been pretty well versed for for uh, for the playoffs, and uh, that that should play in, uh, pretty well into this game. Yeah, that should be a fun one there on 96-7. Inman, number eight ranked in 1A. They're 7-1, 4-1 after blowing out Medicine Lodge 58-6. Ellis, 3-5, 2-2. They won on the road at Syracuse 50-0. So the Railers in to play the Teutons. I think Inman uh, has rebounded nicely after getting beat by Conway Springs. And I I look for them to advance – fairly easily in this game well Ellis at least has a two-game winning streak coming in and they so they're probably feeling a little bit better about things and frankly they've had some pretty close losses to quality opposition like Plainville and Oakley also but I, I just don't see this as a kind of the, the caliber of team that's able to come to Inman in the first round and win I think for Inman what they battled this year is what um, really plagued them um, in the championship in 1A last year is health. You know, they've, they've had some guys banged up. I think if they're healthy going into the playoffs, they're, they're definitely going to be a threat to get back to that title game. A key injury here or there, or a nagging injury pops up. Um, it could be tough in the playoffs, but I do look for them to advance over Ellis here on Thursday night. Uh, 100.3, number nine ranked in Division One of eight-man Maxville. They're 
quietly 8-0, 5-0 as they run ruled Kiowa County 62 to nothing. They host 2 and 6, 2 and 3 South Gray. The Rebels lost to Wichita County number 1 in one or division 1, 57 to nothing. Uh, Maxville, again, Brad, it seems like there's a couple of teams, and we're going to talk about Kingman later. I know Kingman and Maxville, they're both ranked in their um, classifications. They're both undefeated. And somehow, both seem to be kind of flying under everybody's radar. It's, it's kind of interesting how that works sometimes, especially in uh, when you're undefeated. But, you know, some of that is due to, you know, teams like Wichita County, who's undefeated in eight-man Division One, and you got teams like the Little River, who – have traditionally made deep playoff runs and gotten themselves a state championship lately. So it, it, on one hand, it's kind of understandable, but yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that, um, you know, a, an eight, no team. Uh, and also it's kind of funny from a media perspective, they're just kind of on the fringe of our area, kind of on the fringe of great Bend, kind of on the fringe of Dodge city. So uh, they, they kind of just, they're just kind of out there and uh, hopefully that uh, they, you know, with a undefeated record that they can continue to, to turn heads and uh, I just don't see that uh, changing this week. I think that they uh, comfortably move on to the next round. And the final game on Thursday nights on sports number one as three and five, one and four Sterling. They travel out to Syracuse to finish up the season against one and six, one and three Syracuse. Sterling picked up their third win last week, 32-14 in Ellenwood. And we already mentioned that Syracuse loss 50 to nothing to Ellis. I think uh, – uh, most people around the Sterling area, Brad, if you told them after going one and eight last year that you could get almost to 500, you'd be four and five playing in a really difficult district and you could finish four and five this year. I think they'd say, yeah, we would take that. I think they, they're improved, played a lot of young kids, played a freshman at quarterback um, quite a bit of the year. I, I look for them to go out to Syracuse and pick up their fourth win. Be a great accomplishment for Sterling to finish out this season with a fourth win. Uh, we knew that they would be much improved this year, and we didn't know what that would translate, though, to wins and losses. They started out with a couple of wins in their first three games and, you know, finishing with a couple of wins. And frankly, when you look at some of the teams they've lost to, like uh, Inman and, and Trinity Catholic and and uh, Conway Springs, I mean, they, they, they've been that, – that, that's not a bad list of teams to lose to. So you can say that they're uh, definitely was one of the more improved teams in the area. And what better way to finish out this season than with another victory? Yeah, four and five would be a, that'd be a good turning point for Sterling with uh, quite a number of those kids will be back for next season. Well, we'll move into a Friday night, and it is a full packed schedule, eight games on Ad Astra, 94.7. Pretty intriguing matchup in 3A. It's five and three, three and one. Heston, who lost a tight one to Wichita Collegiate, 28-21, host three and five, two and two, Marysville. They had a tough loss at Clay Center, a really good Clay Center team, 24-14. So I, I don't know if I call it a toss-up, um, but Heston, a, a tricky opener at home to start the 3A playoffs. Well, both teams have been pretty well tested this year. You look at Heston's schedule, and they've lost to the likes of Pratt, Kingman, and Wichita Collegiate. And and frankly, except for the third, uh, 28-0 loss to Kingman, you know they were in those other two games against Pratt and Collegiate. So you know, they, they not only are tested, but they competed well in those losses. And Marysville's played the you know, undefeated Wamigo, and they played Abilene, and they've played some bigger schools. Rock Creek is very good, and they lost 56 to 21 to them. And that, that's a seven and one Rock Creek team. So, you know, kind of like Hessen, they're, they're pretty well tested. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't quite call it a toss up. Uh, I do expect Hessen to win this one, but it's uh, definitely not going to be a stroll in the park. No, I, I definitely not. Hessen's, uh, they'll get tested. On Friday night, so will Bueller, I believe, on ninety-five point nine, as the Crusaders finished the regular season four and four after losing to their rivals McPherson forty-nine to six this last Friday. They play a two and six Arc City team who lost the Salina Central forty-nine to eight. But we don't have to go too far back in history, Brad, when Arc City was two and six a few seasons back, and they made the state title game. Um, this is a it's a dangerous, definitely dangerous opener for Bueller. They've got to make sure they have no hangover from the McPherson game and, and see if they can pick up a home win. Well, people might be asking, well, what, why is Arc City always finishing with these bad records? And, and 
why why what makes them so dangerous when they're they got such a bad record? Well, they play they're a four A team playing a lot of five A schools. You know, Salina Central, Valley Center, uh, Newton, Goddard. I mean, they're all bigger schools than they are. Andover Central's four A, but a very good four A team lost ten nothing to them. So they they they've been well tested. I mean, if you really want to do comparative scores, which you really can't do. You know, Arc City started the season with a 43-14 win over Winfield, a same Winfield team that Bueller beat just 10 to nothing. So I do think that this is going to be a tough game for Bueller. Uh, you, you know that Coach Steve Warners said, don't look at that record, guys. Uh, teams did that a couple of years ago, and uh, they all lost except for St. James Academy. And Arc City even gave them a good game in the championship game. Yeah, better be careful, Bueller, with Arc City this Friday night on 95.9. See if the Crusaders can make the second round 96.7 home to the Smoky Valley Vikings who are four and four, one and three after a 42 to nothing victory over Nickerson. They schedule doesn't get any easier. They travel to number eight in class three, a Scott city who's seven and one, four and zero oh, after they won at Colby 48 to nothing. Uh, I guess the old boxing reference here, Brad, I give Smoky Valley, maybe a puncher's chance. I don't look for them to pull the upset, but certainly not going to be intimidated after the schedule they waded through with the likes of Cheney, Andale, and Pratt in their district. But Scott City, boy, it seems like we talk about them every year. Just once again, just year in, year out, they're one of the better teams in Class 3A. And they'll they'll have to prove it tonight uh, against Smoky Valley. Yes, uh, you know, Smoky is, you know, coming in, they're, they're they're playing pretty well. You look at their last four games, Scott, they lost to Cheney 27 to 14, Pratt 47 to 30, and then they just uh, dominated Hillsborough and Pratt by a combined score of 92 to 6. So they 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 got like the way that they're playing right now. That's a tough trip out to Scott City, though. Uh, long trip uh, out in the middle of nowhere, and Scott City, frankly, is having one of their better seasons in year seven and one right now. And man, they they they've they've got three shutouts on the season. Uh, their only loss actually is to an Oklahoma school, so they they haven't even lost to a Kansas school this year. <laughs> So de- definitely a, a Scott City team that not to be taken, you know, for, for granted, no matter how far they make it. I, d- I do think Smokey could hang in there just like they did against Cheney, just like they did against, uh, you know, Pratt. Uh, I just don't know if they've got the firepower to, to, to hang with the Beavers. Uh, Smoky Valley and Scott City on 96-7. Uh, the Mac Bullpups on 98-9, they're number seven. In class four, at seven and one after that 49 six hammering of Bueller, they will play a one and seven Mulvane team for the second time this year. Mulvane lost to a pretty good circle team, 40 to 14. Uh, any chance um, the outcome of game one is any different in game two matchup between these two? No, I mean, and frankly, uh, McPherson probably had their most complete game of the season in beating Bueller last week. They've had a lot of you know, the seven and one, they've won almost every game, but that really was the first time where I looked at McPherson and I thought, okay, that's the McPherson we've been, been expecting all season. They've kind of had some games where they, they won, but maybe they didn't, you know, win like you, you expected them to win, but they are, but they have been winning. And like I said, that was really the first time I thought, okay, that's the, Mc, the McPherson we've been expecting all along. Yeah. They did seem to really play the complete game. Um, that game was, boy, I was watching the scores come in, 7 nothing, 14 nothing, 20. I mean, it just went bang, bang, bang. They jumped all over Bueller. And uh, I think they're laser-focused for a deep run in Class 4A. And we'll go back into Class 1A, 100.3. This is an interesting matchup. 6-2, and 3-2, and two, number 10-ranked Trinity goes out on the road to start the playoffs. They lost 42-7. To Conway Springs last week, they traveled to three and five, three and one Plainville, who had a tough district loss, twenty-eight twenty-one at Phillipsburg. So second straight week, Trinity plays against the Cardinals. They have a better time this week against the Plainville Cardinals. Having a hard time reading just how good this Plainville team is. Uh, they've had they've played some decent teams this year, like Oakley, Norton. Phillipsburg's usually pretty good, but even if, if Phillipsburg's even a little bit down this year, TMP, Russell, so they don't really have any bad losses, but they don't really have any good wins either over uh, Ellis, Syracuse, and Stanton County. So I'm kind of having a tough, tough time gauging how good this Plainville team is. Um, their, their losses speak more to me than their wins do. 
Yeah, I, it's weird to look at those records, three and five hosting six and two. That's just the way districts can work out, you know, Trinity in that difficult district. Um, it's tough for me to get a feel for this game, Trinity. They, they don't tend to score a ton of points, but they don't allow a lot of points. I like that fact when it, weather starts getting colder that they play really good defense. I think, I guess my instinct says they'll win a tight ball game at Plainville, and that loss to Conway Springs, Brad, it, I guess I pose this question to you. Conway Springs started 0-3. We saw them beat a really good Inman team by 21 points. They beat a really good Trinity team by 35 points. Are they the team to beat in Class 1A? Boy, it's – I mean, at this point, with maybe the exception of Wabansi, who I think is 7-1 uh, and one right now, and they've owned, they got wins over Smith Center this year, Oh, man, I I think you have to give Conway Springs the, the edge right now. Uh, they've beaten Inman. They've beaten Trinity. They, they beat them comfortably. So I just don't see how you cannot say that at worst right now, Conway Springs is, you know, at, if they're not the team that beat them, at worst, they're second. You got to wonder, start knowing three, if there was an injury or a, a, a disciplinary action or something to, to turn things around like that, not just to turn around and win some games, but to beat not just top teams, but beat them handily. I mean, we're talking Inman who looked um, really good against Trinity and then Conway Springs beats him by three touchdowns and turn around and beat Trinity by five touchdowns. I mean, uh, I just, that's just amazing to me how they turned the corner and did it so quickly. Yeah, it is kind of bizarre. Uh, they, they did play some pretty good opponents early on, uh, including Kingman and Chaparral, and they had a 6 nothing loss also to Garden Plain, but they didn't score a touchdown until September 16th. And they, but boy, they almost instantaneously turned it around when they got to district play. You know, they won all five district games, and frankly, Scott, none of them were close. Yeah. Um, oh, I tell you, I think I would. Bet man, I'd go with Conway Springs to go a long way in Class 1A. We'll see if Trinity and Inman can go right along with them. Hicks Country 106, 2 and 6, 1 and 3. Hillsboro travels to number 3 in Class 2A, 8 and 0, 4 and 0. Kingman. Hillsboro blew out Lions 55 14. Kingman, a pretty salty Garden Plain team, couldn't hang with the Eagles. 40 to 7 was that final. We talked. About Maxville flying under the radar. Kingman has got a lot of people's attention. They really grabbed my attention when they hammered Heston earlier in the year in a non-district game. I look for them to, to, to win comfortably against Hillsborough. And, boy, in Class 2A, I look for them to go a long ways. Boy, Kingman southeast of Saline. It'd be a little later in the playoffs, but that would be a great game. You know, Kingman made it to the semifinals last year, and I think it was just the second time they've ever been that far. They had one state runner-up to their name. It's their first undefeated regular season, Scott, since 1951. So this is a Kingman program that really doesn't have a lot of history to speak of. They're kind of making their history as they go this year, and gosh, their defense has just been outstanding. They've they haven't given up double-digit points in the game since that 28-14 to went over Cheney. They've had, what, three shutouts in that time, and they've given up four touchdowns in the other uh, games combined. Um, they had running clock against a, a, a decent garden playing team, and they, they've just really put a hurting on some teams this year. This is, you know, with the players like Avery Albright and Nolan Friend. I mean, this is it's an experienced team, too. They, you know, those guys have been playing since they were sophomores. Yeah, they've got a ton of experience. Again, I look for them to go deep into the playoffs and maybe a collision course with Southeast of Saline. Sports number one, the number two ranked team in eight-man division two, the Canton Galva Eagles at 8-0, 4-0 after blowing out Rural Vista 62 to nothing. They play host to a 4-4, 2-3 St. Paul team who lost in a shootout 64-56 um, against Marmonton Valley. I, I do not look for this to be a close game. And Canton Galva, they won – uh, their first five or six games without their quarterback this year, Brad. They got a really good transfer in. I hate to – I think it's Jet Stevens, I believe, is his last name. He transferred from out west. I think maybe Wheatland Grinnell. He is fantastic. And then you get um, – I'm going to forget their quarterback's name. who missed the first, I think, six games of the Maltby. season. Garrett Maltby back. They put Stevens at quarterback and just rolled. Um, and now that they get – 
both of them healthy, wow, they have got to be one of the favorites in in Division Two. No, no doubt in my mind, they can they can get to the title game. Long way for St. Paul to go to probably get forty five, then probably forty five by halftime. Uh, <laughs> I think the only team on the eastern half of the bracket that could maybe hang with Canton Galva is Axtell, and that's because Axtell comes from that great conference up there, the Twin Valley League that has produced the likes of Hanover and uh, Frankfurt and teams like that. And, you know, Axtell's got a very good team, and they've, you know, kind of run, run you know, they, they mercy relieve in Clifton Clyde. So uh, that's really the only team, I think, on the eastern half that has a that has a ch- chance of beating Canton Galva. Uh, as far as the west, uh, you know, Victoria's undefeated right now. Stafford's undefeated. Dighton's undefeated. Uh if it's if it's not Canton Galva winning the state title, Scott, it's probably going to be Axel. Yeah, that would be a great ball game. You mentioned Stafford, Brad. You got to see them. How good is Stafford? They they you know the thing that impressed me most is that they had the, the number of players they had out there, and they got some depth over there, man. And you know they're eight and zero. They've uh, the they they've beaten South Barber by fourteen. Uh, they. They've got some close wins that maybe think, though, why was that game so close? But, man, they just keep winning. I mean, that's all they do is they, they just won this year. It's, it's, it's been really impressive. I, I I tip my hat to Stafford. I'm not sure the last time they had an undefeated regular season. But, um, uh, boy, all kinds of credit for them. Hopefully we can see Stafford make a run um, in the playoffs as well. Um, a game that is a playout game on sports number two. See if the Lions Lions can get off the schneid. They're 0 and 8, 0 and 4 after losing to Hillsborough 55 14. They travel to Douglas, who does have three wins this year. They're 3 and 5. They went 0 and 4 in district play, but did beat Blue Stem this last week in a non district game 47 to 16. What do you think about Lions at? Douglas, can Lions find a way to pick up a win? Well, I don't know, Scott. I mean, they've got what twenty points or something like that this year, uh, and you know, Douglas scored forty-seven against uh, Blue Stem. I know it's not the strongest team in the world in Blue Stem, but uh, you know, Lions did put up a, a decent effort last week. Uh, they scored fourteen points against Hillsborough, and up to that, before that, they had just scored. I'm sorry, twenty points the entire season before last week, and then they scored fourteen against Hillsborough. So. Uh, it's some some tough games. I mean, they played some tough tough teams this year, but um, I don't know. I I, I just don't I, I just don't see them beating a team with three wins like Douglas. Yeah, it's just the the youth lack of depth. Everything's just kind of compounded this year for Lions. After you know, we thought maybe turning the corner last year, picking up three wins last year, but um, boy back in the rut again this year it'll be it'll be tough for them we'll, we'll keep tabs on lions at douglas on friday night well brad the uh, friday nights that i have been doing the game time game of the week on your view cox channel 22 we we drew a pretty interesting matchup this week we have the eight nine matchup in class 5a the goddard lions at five and three will host the cape and mount carmel crusaders who are four and four and one thing is studying this game brad i can say about it it may only take half an hour to play <laughs> as cape and lines up with amario elias who's um on the verge of his second straight 2000 yard rushing season if he if he can get two yards over his average which is 222 yards he'll be at 2000 and they're going to play a goddard team who runs the triple option so uh we're going to see a ground and pound ball game with some, some great athletes on the field. I, I think it's going to be a great ball game and Goddard they're five and three after an Oh, and nine year last year and their losses this year, Brad, they could be eight. No, they lost in overtime to Andover 20 to 13. They lost to Salinas central in a shootout, uh, 47, 42, and then lost with two and a half seconds to arch rival Eisenhower last week, 21 to 14. So, what a bounce-back season, and, and Capen's played a tough schedule. It, it, it's an intriguing and a great matchup for Week 1 in Class 5A. Yeah, the, the loss to Eisenhower is a little perplexing and from the perspective that you know Goddard had been playing so well this year, and uh, that that one just kind of came out of the nowhere for me. So uh, kind, kind of a disappointing loss there for Goddard, and then the, you know because of that, now they've played a, uh, a pretty decent Cape and Mountain Carmel team. 
uh, you know, Coach Weston Schartz has done a lot of good things through the years at Wichita Northwest and Wichita West. And, you know, they're coming off a, a pretty impressive win over Heights. And frankly, before that, maybe their two most impressive games of the season, both losses. They lost to Carroll by five and then two to St. James. So uh, they're even though they're only one and two in their last three games, you know, Capen's playing some pretty good football going into the uh, postseason. Yeah, we had the St. James Capen game, and that was a uh, last second field goal by St. James to win that one by two. Uh, an interesting note on this game, you know, there's 16 teams in Class 5A. This is the third straight year that Capen's got a chance to knock Goddard out of the playoffs. They have knocked him out the last two times that Goddard has been in in the playoffs, and Capen's got a chance. Uh, it's third time the charm for Goddard in this one. It's going to be uh, – I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, it could only take about half an hour to play. I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of clock stoppages, but, uh, again, that's an intriguing matchup on Friday night, which kind of concludes our look at week one of the football playoffs. Well, let's talk about Hutchison High. Who did who did they draw, Brad? I, I don't have the bracket up right now. Well, they drew liberal, and they actually have a pretty interesting, uh, you know, qu- uh, I guess you want to say quadrant. Um, they, they are the number four seed, so they would play at home if they beat liberal in the second round where they would take on potentially Bishop Carroll, who they almost uh, – who I think they've actually played in the last two years in the playoffs, and Carroll's won them both. But last year was a game where, uh, you know, they, they played them all the way to the end and actually led for most of the game before Carroll uh, pulled it out. But watch out for Carroll's first-round opponent, Newton, who led Derby at halftime last week and has played – you know, they've won three of their last four games. And, um, you know, they, they, they gave Hutch a good game. They gave Valley Center a good game. So I, eh, this is a little sneaky game for Carroll and Newton. I don't think Hutch will have much trouble with Liberal, but uh, boy, they—they they, I, I would be surprised if they played uh, Carroll or Newton in the second round. And the the tricky thing for that Goddard um, Capen game, you know, who's waiting the next week? Uh, some team with a pretty good quarterback, I think. Yeah, that would be Avery Johnson and Mays. So uh, that that would be your door prize um, for advancing there out of the eight and nine game in there in class 5a um so the, that's interesting interesting games and how, how about this as a potential week two game brad we get to choose that game next week uh and if things fall right we could have uh, northwest hosting junction city oh that'd be a pretty fun second round matchup to do wow i think that i think one of the most current rankings i think they're ranked number three and number four or something like that and class 6a but that's that's one that if, if it falls right is probably the game we'll have in week two that would be uh we've seen northwest we know junction city gave mcpherson their only loss that, that would be a great great quarterfinal matchup to have yeah absolutely and you know that, that's kind of the good thing about um so some of these matchups is uh, you know the potential that we could see you know i, I look at some potential matchups like garden city against washburn rural or you know, even Derby against Lawrence. I mean, Lawrence just had, uh, you know, Lawrence and Lawrence Free State both have had some big wins this year. You know, Free State against Wichita East is an enticing first-round matchup, too. Uh, you could have Free State taking on Manhattan in the second round. So that, that's I, – I love looking at these potential matchups down the road. Yeah, we, 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 lo- we can do that as broadcasters. Coaches never want to hear anything about their next opponent. But uh, <laughs> we, we have the luxury of doing that and looking forward. Well, let's look forward into college football, Brad. And unfortunately for us, uh, it's kind of a mixed bag we're talking about this week. And we've got to rip the Band-Aid off a little bit um, with the uh, Kansas Jayhawks, who unfortunately dropped their third straight <laughs> game after starting the season five and oh a 35-23 loss at Baylor uh I I was able to listen to part of this game on my way to the Sterling College game which we'll get to here in a little bit Brad and they just they just buried themselves uh in this game it, it started off with uh Baylor deferring KU took the ball and went into the strong win they go quick three and out shank the punt and then Olay defense four plays later, all runs, Baylor's into the end zone, 7 nothing. KU fumbles it on a, after a pass completion on their second possession, and boom, boom, it's 14 nothing before you can even look up. And, and it's not the first time this year that KU has done that. We, we know they did that against West Virginia. 
they got down um, also last week in their loss um, early, and then they, they always seem to find a way to fight back, Brad. But without Jalen Daniels and without a defense that's stopping anything right now, you just can't start ball games like they've been starting them. No, KU's not really built to come back. I mean, uh, I'm not sure that you can say that they're, they're built to come forward or to, to, to play with the lead either. But uh, I don't think that they're really built to, to, you know, they're not, they're not, the, they're not, they don't have Patrick Mahomes back there. You know, I know we'll get into the Chiefs here too. But, you know, the Chiefs fall behind by 10 points every week and it's not a big deal. You know, KU just doesn't have that ability to fall behind by double digits or in this case, 28 to three. Now, be damned if they almost didn't pull it off, though, Scott. I mean, they get back to 28-23, and they're one stop away from maybe having a chance to win the game. And I think we don't want to hear about moral victories right now with Kansas football because when you start 5-0, and moral victories go out the window. But they had every opportunity to beat TCU. They battled Oklahoma pretty well. They battled Baylor to the end after falling behind by as many as 20, uh, 25 points. So, you know, I, I guess you could say some of those games that were going Kansas's way earlier are, not, are no longer going their way. And with four games still left, but, you know, two of them that, you know, are going to be really tough with Oklahoma State and Texas, uh, frankly, their best chances for wins might be away from Lawrence with Texas Tech and K-State. Very true. And K-State lost their top two quarterbacks. I don't, I don't know <clears throat> the extent of the injury to the K-State quarterbacks and, and they – and their loss to TCU. Uh, but yeah, they, and I, I don't know. I'm not sold on Texas either. I think that's, I think they're all winnable games for KU. Um, Jason Bean was 16 to 27, 232 and a touchdown. Um, I think he's playing as well as you could have hoped for, but you look at the total yards, 437 to 288 in that game, and they give up 273 on the ground. What the, the, KU, the KU defense, I think to me, Brad, that that's where this is going to hinge on. Um, are they six and six? Are they seven and five? Are they five and seven this year? Um, can that defense get healthy and find a way to stop anybody? Because right now they're not. Well, Kansas actually averaged more yards per play than Baylor did. And I think part of that, though, it's because KU just had too many three and outs in that game. Yeah, you know, yeah. way, way too many times where they would just give the ball right back to Baylor. And Baylor, you know, not not the best team in the Big 12, but, you know, they still have a Big 12 offense. So, you know, Kansas also had several turnovers. And it's – Kansas doesn't have to be perfect to win these games, but they can't be, you know, falling behind like that. They can't be turning the ball over a lot. Uh, a good time for a week off right now for the Jayhawks. I, I think that, you know – Sometimes you don't look forward about to a bye because you're playing well, but I think the Jayhawks are very much looking forward to the bye week. Well, to nothing else to get healthy and just get more reps for Jason Bean and see if they can figure out something defensively before they host Oklahoma State on November fifth. Uh, TCU, their conference to lose now is they're uh, undefeated. Everybody else has at least one loss, and with K State questions at quarterback. Do you look for TCU to run the table, or do you think they lose a ball game in the Big 12? Um, I, I don't know if I'll say that TCU will go undefeated. I do think that right now that they are in pole position to make the Big 12 championship game, which obviously they don't have to finish first. They can finish second to do that. And, you know, along those lines, they could still lose two conference games potentially and still make the Big 12 championship game. So I'm not going to say that they're going to run the table. But right now, if if you do say, Brad, pick one team to be in the Big 12 championship game, I'm going to say TCU. And, and they're doing what the Jayhawks are doing. They're falling behind in they, their last two games, the Oklahoma State and K-State, and then roaring back. I mean, they scored the last 28 in the K-State game. So, yeah, I think TCU definitely going to be one of those two participants in that big 12 championship game. But again, KU back in action at home against Oklahoma state on November 5th. Well, staying in the college ranks, Brad, I mentioned I was on my way to the Sterling game, listening to KU and the Warriors fall um, to one and six on the season after a 51 to seven loss at now number 13 Bethel. Um, Boy, this one just started uh, so interestingly for for Sterling. They, they get the ball, the the old defer from Bethel, and Sterling goes into the win. They get a nice pass play 
get a first down out to the 40 and then they put it on the floor and then on the ground all the way Bethel in seven nothing and then Sterling but mounts another good drive. They actually get down inside the Bethel 10, and then it looked like the quarterback and the receiver had different patterns in mind. Uh, tried to run a quick slant ball way behind the receiver, is intercepted at the goal line. Uh, so they miss a golden opportunity to tie the game. They end up getting the stop. Bethel pins them at the two, and then Bethel gets a safety um, to make it 9 nothing. Sterling does put together another drive, get in the end zone, nine seven but after that point 42 unanswered from bethel sterling throws four interceptions they lose two fumbles um wow just when the bethel and then they give up a pick six and a scoop and score so the bethel defense actually outscored the warrior offense in this game 16 to 7 um and you just the margin of error is so small for this team that you can't have six turnovers in a ball game you might not be able to have two turnovers against that quality of an opponent and and think you're going to win and now they get number 10 southwestern at home um this saturday well it's just it's it's not getting it's the smaller things that they keep doing the penalties and the turnovers brad it just doesn't seem to be improving no i mean you know it looked like that overall that they did some good things, you know. I mean, they held Bethel less than 400 yards of offense, and Bethel, I know they run the ball a lot, only 111 yards through the air. But, you know, it kind of like with KU, there's the, the, their margin just isn't there. They, they, can't, they can't afford to have, you know, six penalties for 59 yards, which is actually significantly less than what Bethel had. But, you know, when they go on these long drives, they got to be able to turn it into something, even if it's a field goal. They, they got a good kicker. They, they just can't afford to go on these long drives and just come up empty with it. They can't afford to have, you know, these pick sixes or safeties or whatever. I mean, they, they, they just don't have the ability to come back from those kind of mistakes right there. And it was a big game for Bethel. It will be for Southwestern because there's a three-way tie atop the conference with – Number 10, Southwestern, number 13, Bethel, and I believe it's now number, I think it's number 18, Avila. And surprisingly enough, Avila's got the tiebreaker between those three teams um, determining conference champion um, due to point differential between those three teams. So uh, to think you're not going to get Southwestern's best this Saturday is is, – uh, it would be a gross uh, misjudgment because I think the KCAC, where they're positioned right now, they got a good shot to get three teams in the playoffs, and that that would that would be a big thing for this conference. Yeah, for many years it was at at best a one team uh, yeah. uh, conference, and uh, to even get two in is is a great deal. But the fact that right now they're they could be looking at getting three. Uh, that that that's really something else, and it shows to how much uh, better the, the conference has gotten in the last decade, and uh, also to to the depth that the conference has. Yeah, the, the team with the most to lose is Avila. I mean, because of where they're ranked, um, if they got the automatic bid um, due to that point differential, um, Southwestern surely, if they all went out and at larges, usually they say you need to be ranked somewhere. 13 or 12 to have a good feeling you'll get an at-large, and that's right where Bethel is. They would be the the ones that probably um, will worry the most if it is a three-way tie because they would have the tiebreaker on Southwestern and not on Avila. So it'll be intriguing that that Warrior game is on 95-9, 12.30 pregame, 1 o'clock kick on 95-9 this Saturday. Well, Brad, your Blue Dragons, uh, boy, had a scrimmage out in Garden City, it looked like, as they just went out and destroyed Garden 65-7. to The Hutch defense, five interceptions, two fumble recoveries, and Hutch a grand total of zero turnovers. I don't know that you need to say a whole lot more about that game. That Hutch defense was awesome. No, they played uh, – I mean, I was watching that game, and Garden City's offense just looked like uh... – Looked like a high school junior varsity team out there. I mean, it was just a completely different level uh, to what Hutch was playing against them out there. They're 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 just so 
they, they swarmed the ball. They've got so many good players on that defense. And the thing was is that the, def- the the interior defense was kind of the question mark going into the season. And it seems like it's gotten a lot better. They, they thought they were going to be good with the linebackers. They thought they would be good in the secondary. And they were just kind of worried about the upfront guys. And they've really gotten better right now. And, um, boy, and if, frankly, if you thought that that was bad last week, uh, just wait till this week. Now, Highland uh, coming into Gowan Stadium, is that going to be ugly? Yeah, Highland's winless on the season. So, uh, admittedly, Highland has had a couple decent performances this year. Um, you know, they only lost to Garden City 14-7, to and they had another 24-7 to loss out there to Iowa Western. So, it, it's it's not unreasonable to think that the, the it, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be like 85 to nothing or anything like that, but, uh, you know, Hutch is on course right now for that big game here in a couple weeks against Iowa Western. Coach Dallas isn't going to have their focus anywhere but on Highland this week. Yeah, Hutch, that boy, looking forward to that one. If they both go into that undefeated, that'll be a great game. And that is in Hutch, or is that on the road? Council Bluffs. In Council Bluffs. Well, we'll we'll put the cart before the horse there. But boy, it looks like they're certainly on a collision course coming up here in a couple of weeks. Well, let's move into the uh, pro football. Spectrum and the Kansas City Chiefs go into their bye week five and two, one game ahead of the Chargers for first place in a division after a 44 23 victory against San Francisco. And again, Brad, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, the, the Chiefs need to stop um, spotting team leads as they did to the Raiders and the Bills in their two previous games. They spot San Francisco. Uh, 10-0 after giving up a field goal. Mahomes um, throws an interception, and then San Francisco gets in the end zone. But after that point, boy, that Chiefs offense, this was the number one ranked defense in the league, Brad, and they just dissected San Francisco. Mahomes was 25-34, 423 yards at one pick, three touchdowns. They have two receivers over 100, and Kelsey had six for 98, almost three guys over 100 yards receiving. Uh, Smith-Schuster, seven for 124 and a score. Valdez-Scantling, three for 111 yards. Um, The defense got five sacks early in the game. They weren't getting any pressure, but they made some adjustments, and they started getting some pressure in there on Garoppolo and – just gave up the 23 points. Uh, you had to like what you saw after the early start with the Chiefs um, going into their bye week at 5-2. and two. Well, I think uh, the most encouraging thing that we've seen from the Chiefs this year is how Patrick Mahomes has adjusted to not having Tyreek Hill, which we knew was going to happen. But he, what, he complete passes to like, what, nine or ten different receivers or something like that. And Nicole Hardman had a great game. And I think Hardman is one of those players who are starting to see his potential. And uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is starting to really come around. I mean, this 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 offense, I, you know, I like to see a little bit more from the running game. And we saw some good runs from Jeremy McKinnon again. And, uh, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, I think the world of. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I mean, so hit and miss here and there. But um, the, the thing, though, the overall of, of, about this Chiefs team, Scott, is it's starting to remind me a little bit of their Super Bowl champion team in that – the defense seems to be kind of the bend but don't break kind of defense. And on top of that, it, it just feels like that it's that there is genuine hope for it to get better still. Uh, there's, you know, they've, they, the, the defense has been banged up a little bit. There's, there's some talk about maybe a late, uh, uh, late deadline acquisition, maybe via trade or something like that. But, you know, the, the Chiefs' defense doesn't have to be 85 Bears good. They don't have to even be a top 10 defense. If the Chiefs are like 12th through, through 15th defensively, they're, they're going to have a chance. And that's what they were essentially most of that year they, they, that they did win the Super Bowl. I think they improved to like maybe 10th or something like that by the end of the year. And if the Chiefs can somehow get up to, you know, the top 12 or something like that, I mean, this is going to be a team that's going to be very hard to beat. I definitely agree with that and uh, a couple of th- interesting things you brought up I, I, before I get into a couple of the speculation trade possibilities, some off the field news, pose the question at this point, 
and if towards the end of the season, is this offense better without Tyreek Hill? It's just different. I don't know if you can say it's better. I mean, Tyreek Hill does currently lead the NFL in receiving yards. So uh, with the, with the Dolphins, so I, I I don't know if you can say the the the, the offense is better. It's just different, and because. You don't have the deep threat anymore, uh, the speed with Tyree Kill, so they're going to have to beat you in a different way. And most of that is taking what the defense has given you, which is oftentimes a little bit under, uh, you know, some underthrows uh, against the defense, maybe some screens or something like that. But we did see Mahomes throw, uh, complete some deeper passes that we maybe haven't seen this year because I think teams are starting to creep up a little bit more on this uh, offense. And Mahomes is essentially saying, fine, I'll just beat you over the top. I don't have Tyree Kill, but I got some pretty good guys out there. And I think right now what we're seeing is the the, the potential of this offense. You know, the, it seems like the better the, the, it seems like the better the defense, the better the offense plays. And McCall Hardman's kind of the X factor. You saw them getting him involved in the run game with that fly sweep, got in the end zone that way, got a receiving touchdown. And he's just a slightly slower. I, I say that um, smiling here than Tyreek Hill. Um, He's a he's a deep threat. I mean, if, if you're going to choose, and somehow they get the ball to Kelsey, regardless that he's double teamed. But if you're going to double team Travis Kelsey, he can throw it. Like you said, he can throw it to a. They got two other good receiving tight ends. Watson and um, Gray are both good receiving tight ends. You got Hardman out there, Smith Schuster, Valdez Scantling, um, the rookie um, Sky Moore. Um, although he did. He put it on the ground on a punt in that game, but still they love this rookie. Um, who do you cover? I mean, it, it's a, a lot of guys can get the football, and that that is encouraging. And, again, if the defense can get healthy, and I think the bye week will go a long ways towards that, this could be a tough team to beat. And the trade deadline looms coming up here in the first week of November. Um they restructured Travis Kelsey's deal, which freed up three plus million dollars. Um, the couple other things I've heard, you know, Ronald Jones, they picked him up from the Bucks to bolster um, the running back situation. He's not even seeing the field, Brad, with with the way Pacheco, McKinnon, and Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Um, that's a pretty good three-headed monster. They're talking about maybe Jones could be moved, and that would free up another, I think, two million. So they'd have somewhere in the neighborhood of five million. Um, I've heard Obel Beckham Jr. mentioned. Um, I'm not very crazy about that because I like the receiving core as constructed. The one I love, Brad, is Cam Jordan. Uh, You put Cam Jordan on that defense and you don't have to give up anything but Ronald Jones maybe in a trade. Don't you pull the trigger on that, even if Cam Jordan is just a a rent-a-cop for one year? I don't think you need to improve the offense unless – I mean, they took a chance on Josh Gordon last year, and that just backfired. I mean, he was pretty worthless last year. So, I think – who doesn't want OBJ? Yeah, but we don't need any more toys for Mahomes to play with. Uh, he's got plenty <laughs> of options at his disposal right now, in, unless it, it's something like a, a low-risk, high-reward kind of acquisition for the offense. I think if you make any kind of deals right now, it's got to be on the defensive side. Yeah, I, I would love Cam Jordan. Um he is a great defensive player. You put him out there um, with the way they're beginning to get pressure. What, I think that goes from a, 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 an average to a little better than average defense to potentially a great defense. That's that's what I think of Cam Jordan. What, what What's your opinion of him? Well, you know, I think having a guy like, you know, again, if, if you can get a guy who can fit right in and not really have much of an uh, adjustment. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, here, here, here's what you need to, 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 I think, make a deep playoff run. I think, first of all, the one that kind of goes out saying is you need a quarterback, right? You, you know, you're not going to – the chance of you, of you winning a Super Bowl without a high-marquee quarterback is pretty slim. The second thing that you need is, a, is someone to get to the quarterback. And right now the, the Chiefs kind of have that with – um with Chris Jones having one of his best seasons he's ever had. Even Frank Clark's had some decent uh, times out there. You know, if you can throw a Cam Jordan in there, a guy who has over 100 career sacks, uh, you know, a guy who has, you know, had some winning throughout his career, I, 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 don't, see, I, I don't see why not. Mm. 
I don't see a downside to it. Uh, like I said, even if it's uh, just to fill out this year and you're not able to um, sign him on to a longer term deal. Um, we've talked about windows of opportunity for teams. You know, last time I checked, uh, Travis Kelsey, not getting any younger. Um, some, you know, you have a window of opportunity in the NFL and sometimes it's a pretty small window um, to win a championship, let alone multiple championships. And I think if you can get him um, for that money that you've already freed up, and if you do a, a Ronald Jones trade or something like that, uh, I don't see a downside. I would love to see uh, Cam Jordan in a Chiefs uniform. And you mentioned Frank Clark, Brad. Well, he's going to get to uh, not just have the bye week off. He gets two additional weeks off um, after the bye week as he's been suspended two games by the NFL for the violation of the personal conduct policy for the weapons charge that dated way back into the summer. Um, just now getting that decision down. So he's going to miss home games out of the bye against the Titans and the Jaguars. What, um, do you, what impact do you see that having? Well, it's not ideal. I mean, Willie Gay uh, being out for four weeks wasn't ideal either. So, and maybe that's also why maybe they go out and make a late uh, acquisition here for someone to help that can help with the pass rush uh, because Frank Clark's going to be out. At the very least, you know, with Frank Clark out, the Chiefs don't have, it's not like that they're going to be playing, you know, the, 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 the Bills and the Jets or something like that, or the Bills and the Eagles or something like that. You know, they're going to be playing the Titans and the Jaguars, you know, not, not two layups, but both are at arrowhead. And, you know, under most circumstances, I would say that the chiefs, even without Frank Clark should win both games. Yeah, they should. And we'll see again, be it's <laughs> by week. If you're going to pull the trigger on something like that, I think, uh, I think you go for it with Cam Jordan, but we'll, again, the chiefs get the week off and then we'll host the Titans. Well, uh, one other Big game or games coming up, Brad. The World Series has its uh, participants now. It'll be the Philadelphia Phillies and the Houston Astros. The Phillies, four games to one in the NL Championship Series over the Padres. And woohoo! Astros sweep the Yankees four games to nothing. What do you think about the World Series? You can tell I'm, I'm excited. The Yankees are in the offseason. Boy, all the, all the, Great teams lost, didn't they, this year, Scott? I mean, the Dodgers, the Yankees. I mean, I think the Phillies were the sixth seed going into the uh, National League playoffs. So um, it's definitely turning into uh, uh, kind of chaos almost uh, with uh, with the baseball playoffs. I mean, the Astros, obviously, this is what the what, fourth time in six years or something like that that they've been in the World Series? I mean, something like that? Something to that effect, yeah. I mean, yes. They're, they're, they become a regular. So, um, you know, I think for uh, for the Phillies, you know, having, you know, Bryce Harper, I mean, you got, you know, arguably the best player in baseball and hit the big home run the other uh, day to, to clinch the NLCS. So uh, I, what I one thing I found funny was that the, the Philadelphia Police Department was actually greasing the, the light poles before the before that clinching game. So fans want to shimmy up the the. The, uh, the the light poles in, in celebration. So, uh, it, it you know, I think the Astros are probably the better team. But, you know, when the Phillies have been playing uh, as well as anybody in the postseason, all you have to do is catch fire. I mean, the, the Kansas City Royals did that in 2014. You know, they're the wild card team. They're the number four seed. And, boy, they just caught fire at the right time. You know, they won, what, the, the first eight games of that postseason before they lost one to the Giants and then played a great seven-game series. Yeah, I think you're right. And you remember they, they went – had that come from behind against the A's and they had the uh, in extra innings. And then they went out to the West coast and the, lo and behold, the, the angels, uh, the first game, or was it the first two games of that? I remember uh, both Hosmer and Moustakas, I think it was the first two games against the angels went extra innings and they won out there on um, late inning home runs. We know Salvador hit the game winner in the wild card, but yeah, uh, who knows uh, how much do you think, people that don't have a horse in the race are going to be rooting for the Phillies simply because uh, the cheating scandal with the Astros is still a little too fresh for a lot of people. And I'll have to be honest, including myself. Oh, I'd say probably a lot of people will be rooting for the Phillies with this one. I mean, the one thing major league baseball has done a 
the one thing that they that has gone in their favor uh, this last what ten years or so is different teams coming in there and uh, doing well. Now it hasn't been overly long since I think the Phillies have last won the World Series, but you know the Astros have been there so many times lately that you know you, you almost feel like that they are they're there every year. It's not not quite like the Yankees. But, you know, when you look at the Philadelphia Phillies, you know, their, their World Series titles were uh, 1980 and 2008. So they, they haven't won at a ton. So I think most people, I think, would probably lean toward the Phillies. Yeah, I, uh, I think I am. I really uh, probably not going to watch a ton of it. We've got a lot of other things going on. But, yeah, probably my rooting interest would also go with the Phillies. Well, uh, that's the regular topics for this week. Since the Royals can't seem to hire a manager, we don't have that to talk about yet. <laughs> so, uh, we'll go on to your final thoughts. Well, you know, you brought the Blue Dragons game last week. And, uh, you know, because I, I, I teach at the co- at Hutchinson Community College, I get some student athletes in class from time to time. I even get some to – there's even some that major in journalism from time to time. And, right, and it, it's um, – I don't know, man. There's such a sense of pride when you watch your student athletes out there competing in sports. Uh, there's a there's a one kid I've got on the newspaper staff. His name is Colin Shields from May South High School. He's currently the number two quarterback, and uh, so you know he doesn't play uh, a ton, especially in the, in the big games. But you know, in some of these games that they win, like against uh, Garden, you know, he'll play the last quarter and a half, maybe two quarters or something like that, and. Um, Gosh, I, I just get on the edge of my seat, and you know it's 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 what forty five to seven, and Colin comes in the game, and I'm just sitting on the edge of my seat. You know, I'm 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 sweating bullets. I'm I'm on edge. It's just like it's almost like watching one of your kids play sports. And uh, he threw a touchdown pass, and I'm just going wild in my house. I'm pumping my fist, and you know, going wild in a sixty five to seven game in the second half. And uh, there's so much pride that goes involved when you see your students out there doing great things outside the classroom. And, you know, Colin's a great kid. He does, he's done a lot of good work with, for me the last year and a half. And I've got other athletes that I, I, I've supported. You know, I got a couple of volleyball players right now. I've got a women's basketball or a couple of women's basketball players. I can't wait to watch on the court this year. Uh, and I've had plenty of football guys in the years past. I got one Javar strong who's on the, def- on the defense. And every time because the video quality wasn't good, Every time there's an interception, I was like, hey, was that Javar? Was that Javar? And actually, it turned out to be another one of my students, uh, uh, Jaleek Thomas, who had a pick six in that game. And it's just uh, it's just an amazing feeling when you see your students go out there and competing. In, and it's not just sports. I've had, I've had theater students before. I've got students in the band. Uh, and I see them performing on you know, football games and whatnot. But it, it's, it's just a really cool feeling. Yeah, it is when you can see um, people that you've had a maybe a, just a small part, but still a part um, in their lives and in their education, um, to see them succeeding like that. And that kind of, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of that for mine. Um, I think I mentioned this last spring, but I have a, a, a nephew and a good, a good friend of the family, um, that are both runners. They compete in cross country. And then of course, track in the spring. Um, one is, a uh, nephew is, uh, Blake Logan. He's a, a junior on the circle cross-country team, and then Lane Whistler is also a junior um, on the Bueller cross-country team. Of course, the regionals were this past weekend, and boy, did those two young men, Brad, did they run well as Blake Logan won the regional. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a brain fart. It was up, I think, towards Wellington up in that area. It's a really tough regional. He ended up winning it to qualify for state, and Lane Whistler ended up finishing second in the Bueller regional over in McPherson. The Bueller team ran really well. Their team qualified. Um, it's just been a privilege to be able to see these two young men, the work they've put in to become better runners each year. They run together in the summer. They come out here, they hang out, they go fishing and everything. They become good friends. And just to see them um, not just qualify for state, but boy, one of them wins regional, the other gets second. Um, and then they go to Wamigo this weekend for state cross country. Just want to wish them the best of luck. And uh, I, I think they're going to do really well. I'm going to be very curious um, when the results come in Saturday, see how they do, but really good luck. They very well deserving of being back at, or, well, for the first time they're at state 
And this is Blake's second time, Lane's first time. Bueller had such a stacked team. He wasn't on the varsity last year, and that's just the work he's put in to be really their number two runner all year. I think the Bueller team's got a great chance, and I think both of these young men do as well. Yeah, it's definitely something cool when um, you get to see the you – know, you, you know, we, we often champion the uh, – you know the four-year letter winners the ones who've been you know part of the program since they were freshmen and contributing since then and uh i think sometimes we kind of overlook a little bit the ones who kind of did it the old-fashioned way starting out on the jv squads and kind of working their way up the old-fashioned way and and finally getting the the rewards like uh, your nephew is it's it's a great feeling yeah so again this will be at wamigo on saturday and that was the topics for this week's edition of course we'll be back next week to break down what would be the second week of the playoffs uh, uh, jayhawks and chiefs are off this weekend so we won't have them to talk about but you know we'll find something to fill the time as we always do so thanks for joining us for brad hallier this is scott hogan for view from the press box god bless we'll see you next week